10th of January in our greatest year ever. Lord, your greatest year ever. And you will demonstrate the kingdom through us because we cooperate. We agree with heaven. We, uh, we resist you none. Lord, we submit ourselves to you and we resist the devil. And he is no match for us. Hallelujah. So we thank you for instructions at the beginning of this year that will take us through the end of this year. Particular instructions, guidance to know what to do to, uh, to be at the right place at the right time. Thank you, Lord, by Holy Ghost this morning. We see it and we seize it and we live above. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Second Corinthians, hallelujah. First, uh, that'd be 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to pick up where we uh, started last week. And uh, I've titled this series, I've retitled last week's because I didn't know what we were going to do last week, but I kind of got a flow now. Running your race to win it. I'm running my race to win it. Everybody knows we're running a race, but maybe we do, we're kind of holding on to see who's, how it's going to go. Well, I'm telling you how it's supposed to go up front. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verse 5, we looked at that. It says, uh, examine yourselves. Why? Whether ye be in the faith, be in the faith, prove your own selves. Well, that's up to me then. That's up to us. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Well, we're not going to talk about that this morning, but examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. So it's okay, it's right to stop and say, am I up to speed? Am I on the right course? Have I veered off just a little bit? Let's, let's recalibrate. You know, in the old days, Christopher Columbus and all those times, they had to check with the sun through their, what was that, a sextant? Whatever, whatever it was, and they'd check. And why would they do that? Because there was no landmarks out there, and you could get off course. You could just look at water all day, and you'd see the sun. But when it's overhead, it's uh, straight up. Anyway, it could be north or south. So they would check against the horizon and the sun and all that stuff. And they would examine themselves whether they be on course. Well, we should do that. Now, I'll tell you, that's why we go to church. It's not that we can't study the Word, but we interpret the Word according to our own soul. And so sometimes if we have a bent or a leaning, we interpret it according to that. I can hardly tell you how many people that, have, that I've known that says they wanted something in their life, and so they would always come to you and tell you, God gives you the desires of His heart. <laughs> That's a blanket thing that says, I'm doing it, don't even try to stop me. God gives me the desires of my heart. So we have to have church. We have to have a, a meeting together where Holy Ghost is given place in our lives. And we open up and say, examine me. Tell me how to examine myself. Is my money right? This is what you said to me to give last year and how to do it. But this is a new year. Is my money right? Yeah, uh, we talked about uh, uh, the other night, uh, relationships. It's like, is it time to throw anybody overboard? Oh, Jesus would never throw anybody overboard. Oh, my. We've talked extensively about 12 people that Jesus could not help. And maybe you can't either. So it's like, we got to examine, because you can't carry everybody that's out there that needs carrying. 
That's a big pastor lesson I've learned. You can't carry everybody or then you find yourself not carrying anybody because you, you've out, anyway, you burned out. So we have to examine ourselves to see if we're in faith. Am I in faith? Because we can, we can slowly devolve in our faith where what we thought was faith, we've just kind of stayed in that same rut and, and God's moved on. So examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Well, I've got some questions. You know, that's what we do. Will you purpose to fulfill 2021 to fulfill your life assignment? In other words, the whole life is not going to be in 2021, but there's something, there's an increment, there's a part that we have to fulfill this year in order to be ready in 2022, should the Lord tarry. And if you mess around, like we all do, cleaning house or cleaning out our stuff, all of a sudden it's stacked up and we're overwhelmed. We want to stay on course. So will you and I, will we resolve to fulfill 2021's assignment, the things that he wants us to grow in, increase in, put aside, so that when we get to the end of this year, we can pick up on 2022's adventure. Plus, we need to be strong for 2022. The reason that we're strong in 21, if we are, and I am, you are, is because we stayed on course in 20. Well, it was a bully. It was a willy. It was, it was tough. Yeah, but uh, we're stronger because we not only went through it, we dominated it. Just, let's just say it. I dominated it. You did. Maybe you slipped on one area or two, and we said, I'm going to do better next time. I know I certainly have, but there's a whole... I'm not going to let that discount the whole thing. I had somebody call me the other day, wish me happy birthday. She thought my birthday was on the 8th, and so I got a good morning call on the 8th, and <laughs> it was close enough, and she, she started, you know, telling me, well, America, God's through with America. God can't use America because... We got all this rotten stuff and all this stuff like that. I say, oh, darling, don't, don't say that. That's not true. And it's not true because there's a very small amount of people that, that are steering this thing and how they got power and all that is the fault of the church. But God's not judging America based on what's going on right now in the streets and in the government. And there's always been cheating, always been pilfering. It's always been that way. We just now know more about it. God's going to judge America on what we did, and we have evangelized most of the world for a hundred years. We have sent money everywhere and missionaries everywhere, and we've stood strong, God, in our Constitution and in our laws. Every state has a preamble with God in it. And so that stuff's not light. And your prayers, my prayers, we've been praying. Have y'all been praying? been sending the word out there, agreeing with heaven. Heaven would say, believe me for this, and let's turn that. And we said, yes, sir. Pray for all those in authority. Well, it's not like, well, nothing happened. Nah, nothing yet has been seen, but it happened. So, yeah, yeah, we were talking yesterday about, it was 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. Now, how long is 400 years since America's just 200 and 40, 50, whatever. Gosh, 400 years, no voice, no, no light, no nothing. So we hadn't, we hadn't suffered to the shedding of blood. It's okay. 
Just keep soldiering on. Don't live your life according to what others are doing. Don't set your dreams and goals according to what others are doing, where they're throwing America away. They're, they're flushing the toilet, saying, there went America. Ah, we're shining bright. We're just in tough times. But I'll tell you, every generation said, Jesus, please come. We're in tough times. When Elvis showed up with his pelvis, all the grandmothers in America just fainted and said, oh, we're in the last generation. Hallelujah. So uh, let's ask this question. Will you think on, will you meditate, will you imagine the impossible be possible becoming your reality? Anybody got any impossibles out there? And we're, we kind of put them over on the side and said, well, you, we're not going to think about that until the Lord does something. Well, he wants us to do something. It, when he says in Ephesians 3.20, above what you can ask, think, or imagine, he wants you and I to be thinking and imagining. Right. He wants us to get out there in our own faith so that he can say, what's this? Surprise you with his goodness. Well, that doesn't mean that we should have nothing and everything surprises us. We should have an expectation on a bunch of good stuff this year more than last. Last year more than 19. I'm growing in him, aren't you? I'm, I'm better now than I used to be. I'm, I still have got things that I don't like and people don't like and all that. But me and the Lord are working it out. As soon as he shows me, I get on it. How about you? So I, I'm not just out there saying, I hope, hope we make it. So I'm going to meditate. I'm going to imagine. I'm going to consider my impossibles becoming possible. I've seen some marvelous things this last year. And I'm telling you, you might not believe me, but 2020 was my best year. And it was a boogie for a bunch of folks. But I tell you, he lifted me up above it. And I can't even share everything right now, but I'm telling you, it was a good year. And I'm ready for a better year yet. I'm like, oh, we can do better, Lord. Hallelujah. Will you, will you and I, will we see the Red Sea open? The figurative Red Sea, of course. You know, that was a major deal. There was nowhere to go. There was no hope. There was no hope. Pharaoh was coming over the hill with a bunch of stuff, and all these brick makers were sitting there huddled up next to the Red Sea. And Moses like, what, you know abracadabra or something like that god said just lift your staff son just lift the staff i can do that can you just lift the staff lift your voice oh, no, i need you to work every day and i want you to believe me and fast and pray for 40 days no he just said lift the staff i can do that i can do what i can do so he can do what i can't do but i got to do something and so, will you see your Red Sea open this next year? This year, I mean. I'm going to. I'm already telling the Lord, I'm going to handle this, and I'm going to take care of that, and I'm going to lay hands on this, and we're going to, we're going to, I'm telling you, I'm out there. I'll tell you about it later as we go, but I'm out there. Will you walk on the water? Well, nobody can do that. Well, Jesus did, and then Peter did. Peter was a nobody from nowhere. <laughs> and he's, he's breaking every law of physics there is. I'm going to break a few laws this year. Yeah. I'm having a testimony. 
If not now, when? Well, I'll just have to go to heaven. Well, there's no testimonies in heaven except what you said you did on earth. It's done when you get to heaven. You're finished. When we step over there, you're done with your list of I'm going to serve God, and I'm going to step out there, and I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to believe the empire. You're done. It's over. In a twinkling of an eye, we'll all gloriously be there, but we're done walking by faith until we come back. Will you be fed by ravens? We were talking about that before church. Not, not bluebirds, not robins, not finches, ravens. That's, that's the low bird. That's the, I think I will. Yeah, a scoundrel bird. It doesn't matter. The point is, is it doesn't matter how it comes. I will be supplied. It doesn't matter. It's like, well, Lord, I, you know, they, they were saying the other day, they were visiting that thing where Oral Roberts back in the day of building the city of faith. Well, a, a racetrack, a, a dog racer in Florida said, I'll give you $3 million. And people said, oh, the tainted money, not in our ministry. Oral says, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll spend like the holy money. And all money, all money's been somewhere. I mean, the money you got in your billfold or purse, it's been somewhere. <laughs> oh my, I'm going to be fed by ravens. Will you be translated in 2021? Do you know what I mean? Where, uh, who was it? Philip was translated to Azotus. It's in there somewhere. I don't know, but it's in there somewhere where he he had business over there and he took care of the Ethiopian eunuch here. And suddenly the Bible says he was. I forget what the word is caught away or. Yeah, he was translated. Well, I'm going to be translated. I'm going to be so valuable to the Lord, he said. I need you over here. Hurry up. Get this thing done. Wrap this thing up. I need you over there. And then boom. David Hogan, he went to a, a, a revival that he was holding in Guatemala. I think I've told you this. And uh, he checked into the Guatemalan hotel, Guatemala City, and they said, good to have you back. And he said, I've never been here. I'm sure you have. I know your name. He said, I've never been here, sir. You are mistaken. Pulled out the registry, and David Hogan's handwriting was in the book last year. Yeah, I've never been here. Yeah, you did. You had a big crusade out there. My brother-in-law got this and that. Go, wow. Didn't even know it. Ah, that's, that's exceeding abundantly above what you're used to yeah. running around with. Yeah. My car won't start and the dishwasher's leaky. And ah, we're going to see some things if you want to. It doesn't matter what you're seeing right here in this room. It doesn't matter what you see in Tuscaloosa or in America. That is not the limit on what God wants to do to you, through you. This is just a vehicle. This is just get in and take a ride with me, God says. It doesn't matter. He's not doing anything in those huge churches to God people everywhere. Matter of fact, well, matter of fact. Will you be stalwart this year? <laughs> Stand fast. It looks tough. It's, they say if I don't do it. They're going to get me. I'm stalwart. Are you going to be fierce? Not just, okay, I'll do that, Lord, but like get up and say, where are some devils? I'm, I want to eat some for breakfast, so I'll be ready for lunch. Just, just, a, just an obnoxious thing. Just obnoxious to the kingdom of darkness. Like, oh, no, he's up. And then will you be resilient? Like, knock down. 
The Word says that when, when you fall, when you have a partner, when you have somebody, and one falls down, the other picks him up. Here we are. We're, we're interwoven to one another. We are resilient. The Word means to buoy up. You know, you put styrofoam or anything under the water in a pool, or you know, and it comes up. That's us. Been down, but not out. Can't get my feelings hurt. Now, y'all, we need to resolve. People are going to do mean things this year, and people that you love. David said, he said, uh, uh, I knew where my enemies were coming from, but my friends turned against me. Uh, we're paying no attention to that. I, I've had lots of stuff to get my feelings hurt this last year. I mean, just like, Really? Here I am doing this and serving God and all this, and you're going to treat me this way? Ah! Turn with me to Mark chapter 4, would you please? In 2021, will you get your ready ready? Will you get your ready ready? Now, when we all see it, when we all see the glory or see the trouble, we decide, I'm going to get ready. But I'm going to be having my ready ready all the time. In other words, every day you get up and say, this is the day. This is the day me and Jesus walk on the water. This is the day where, where I'm a flow through for a half a million dollars. This is the day. Every day you get up. Well, did it happen? I was ready. Amen. Will you be at the right place at the right time with the right words? So I'm going to have to meditate in his word day and night to have the right words in me. And then when I'm at the right place and the right time, there's a place for those words to come out. There's a place for that anointing to come out. There's a place for that life to come out. But if you show up at the right place at the right time and you don't have any words, it's like, we don't want to buy you an ice cream cone. We just had money for two. What are you doing here? Will you make progress in 2021 or more progress? We've all made progress. In other words, giddy up. In other words, step it up. Could we step it up a little? You go, well, what do you expect out of us? I, I'm not expecting anything out of you. I'm talking to me, and y'all can just listen in. Giddy up, Michael. Giddy up. Don't let the carnal, the foolish, the trivial, the natural slow you down. Throw stuff out. We clean out at our house, and it's like, but I may need it someday. There's plenty more where that came from. I got big clean-out going on. We, they, they all make fun of me because I'm Mr. Liquidate. Liquidate. It's in my way. It's in my way today. Well, you may need it someday. I've always lived by that. I've always had plenty of stuff around. But there's plenty more where that came from. Once I got a hold of that, plenty more where that came from. If I need one, I'll get a new one tomorrow. But today it's in my way, and I'm going to clear the path relationships, natural stuff, uh, our, our conversations that are meant to, all sorts of things. You just have to go out and say, i got to make progress, and if you're in my way, you got to go. Everything in your life, since I'm on the subject, everything in your life is either receiving ministry, receiving life from somebody, everything, or giving life to somebody. Your life, my life, is a continual and perpetual transaction. Even when you're at the beach, just, ah, I love the rays, Lord. You're getting refreshed so you can come back and be a flow-through 
to somebody. There is, no ne- there is no neutral time in your life. There is no neutral relationships. If you have neutral relationships and you're not ministering to them, you're just being carnal and being, you know, we used to go to school together and we used to work together and all that stuff and there's no transaction, you're out of order. Or if you're not giving to somebody, you're receiving from somebody. I go, I go and be with people or listen to their tapes or li- read their books and transact it. I can justify my time if I'm receiving things from above. Everything is a flow. Forgot to smile. <laughs> Everything's a flow. And if you've got stuff in your life that's not a flow, that's not going up or down, then probably it's a time waster. It's, time, it's probably taking up your life. And you'll get to the end of the year and go, Blast, I didn't get anything done this year. Blast is Christian cussing. Yeah, it's okay. It's legitimate. Are you in Mark chapter 4? I'm hurrying every chance I get. And he said unto them, Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Can you say unto me? Unto you is given, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now, we could go a long time there. God, Jesus, the Lord Jesus, wants you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, which tells us that there's a mystery to know and that he wants you and I to know it. Isn't that good? It's not just say, okay, sirrah, sirrah. But unto them that are without... All these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. We'll look at that in a minute and get that straightened out. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable, and how then will ye know all the parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they that by the wayside, and the word is sown. So he's given a parable to people that, that cannot Know the mysteries. I know the mysteries. How about you? I got the mind of Christ. I know some stuff. And it says, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, taking away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are on likewise which are sown on stony ground. When, once when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. See, he's talking about a seed in the natural ground. And have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. You know any offended people out there? They got their britches in a wad. They got their, 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 their neck is... This is it. This ex- explains it. Well, why are they that way? Well, they're offended. And the Old Testament says that it's harder to win someone, uh, an offended one, than a, hard, than a, than a great city. Wow. It's virtually... And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and then the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And they, these are, ground number four, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, bring forth fruit. Hear the word, bring forth fruit. If you didn't bring forth fruit, then you weren't good ground. Because good ground takes the seed, which has an absolute potential, and makes it bear fruit. 
and 30, 60, some 100 fold. And then verse 21, and he said to them is a candle. Now we're talking about revelation here. We're talking about knowing them that hear to hear those that can't hear to hear. He said, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? Now, verse 22. Here we're, we're driving into the lane. For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Now, that's profound. That's amazing. That's kingdom straightening right there. The kingdom doesn't need straightening, but we do. This tells us what's going on in the kingdom, how it operates, how it's configured, and how we fit in it. And if we don't fit in it, if we have some religious tone about us that says, well, you never know what God's going to do, then you're contrary to the kingdom principles and you'll live outside the gate. You'll live outside the blessings. Well, how come God doesn't bless me like he blesses someone else? Because you don't understand how the kingdom works. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should be brought, come abroad. This is powerful. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And, you, and unto you that hear, more shall be given. For he that hath. Here, here it is. This is so powerful, but almost nobody gets this. And to he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Now, people don't like this scripture. Because they think it's not fair that you got something and God takes it away or whatever. Or that you have to have a certain amount for God to bless you. But it doesn't matter. This is the kingdom protocol. This is the rules. This is the structure. This is the foundation. And it will not work different than that. So I've just decided to agree with the word and just say, I like that. That's how I want to be. I'm changing what I thought and what's uh, normal and everything. The Amplified says in the verse 11 and 12, 11 and 12 is the mystery of the kingdom. Verse 11 says, to you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. That is... The Listen, look, the secret counsels of God which are hidden from the ungodly. Why is America turned upside down right now? Because there's mysteries that are hid from the ungodly. Why is your business or your, I mean, where you work or whatever, why do they think so wonky? Because you walk in there and say, this is what we ought to be doing and this is what we ought to be having. And you are frustrated because these people are dumb as a rock. And it's like, why don't y'all see it? It's in plain view. They can't see it. And once you know that and understand it, then you'll tone it back and you'll back up and say, I'm always seeing things that other people can't see. That's right. There is a benefit, there's a fruitfulness from me being in the kingdom. And if they have to have a parable, they're not in the kingdom. Okay, let me go on. It says... Uh, I'll start over. To you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God, that is, the secret counsels of God. Wow, God's got secret counsels. Is that right? Is that what it says? Which are hidden. His secret counsels are hidden from who? The ungodly. But for those outside of our circle, everything becomes a parable. In order that they may indeed look and look, 
but not see and perceive, and may hear and hear, but not grasp and comprehend, lest happily they should turn again, and it, their willful rejection of the truth, their willful rejection of the truth, resisting the truth, should be forgiven them. We're special. What made you special? Jesus. He's in you. The mind of Christ is in you. The wisdom of God is in you. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says He's been made unto you redemption and wisdom. I think different, don't you, than the world. Uh, now, they're smarter. They got their, their masters and their, their whatever they've been educated to, but that doesn't mean that they know what you and I know just from being born again. I got stuff on the inside of me. But if you don't know it, if they told you you're just you're the same, you're just you're just you're just a Christian. You're just a you're just one of us that goes to church. If you swallow that, you'll just be one of them that goes to church. But if you go and say, "I'm a child of God. I've been refathered from above. The greater one moved in. There's nothing too difficult for me. I got this. I got this. There's plenty more where that came from. I got this." Every trouble that comes, you just say, I got this. I got it. Oh, it's so, it hurts so bad, and they hurt my feelings, and I don't know what to do. Maybe I'll go home and get in bed. Ah! Come on. Verse 22. Let's slip over to verse 22 in the Amplified. It says, where it says, there's nothing hid. Listen to this. Oh, this is going to get you good. Things are hidden temporarily only as a means to revelation. Is it up there? Okay, let's read it together. Things are hidden temporarily only as a means to revelation. That means temporarily. means that everything that's done in secret will be brought to the light. To who? Them that are in the light and looking for the light. So it's powerful that you're in church this morning and positioning yourself in a chair or wherever you are on the couch and you are positioning yourself to be downloaded the mysteries, the counsels, the secret things of God. You go, well, I don't think we need a church to do that. Well, we need revelation. And revelation comes when the word is sifted through your life. As, as the life is... As the word is preached or taught into your life, there's a residue that comes in, and uh, it's it's kind of like negative and positive things and ions that come in, and how they chrome plate and brass plate and all that stuff, where a current's run through and just the stuff that you want sticks to the pipe. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How they chrome things, and so it's like we get in church and they turn on the current. The anointing comes in to receive secret counsels. And I hate to use that chrome thing. I didn't research that, but I think it is where they put an old bumper in the, in the water and, and put a cable on, uh, a, a battery cable on this and put another one in the water and, zzz, and suddenly you, you pull the bumper out and it's chromed. You go, how'd that happen? Well, it's not happening in the world. It rusts them. They come out of the water and it's like rust. But we're chromed, we're brassed, we're golded, we're, we're platinumed, whatever it takes. There's a difference because we're hooked up to Him. And when we come together 
or when you just meditate the Word. It doesn't have to be in church, but I can tell you that thinking, like we all think on our own, if you're a negative person, you'll interpret the Word negatively. But if you hear somebody else preach it positively, it'll chip away at that thing, and you'll hear things that you couldn't hear by yourself. You'll interpret things that you would never heard. Amen. I'm making my case for church. Praise God. Uh, let me go on. Things are hidden temporarily only as a means to revelation. For there is nothing hidden. Did it say nothing? There is nothing hidden temporarily. Excuse me. Nothing hidden except to be revealed. Ephesians says, I think it's Ephesians, says, We are filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We are increasing in the knowledge of God. I got the mind of Christ. Do you? I mean, I don't feel like it, right? It doesn't look like it. I've got it. Nor is anything temporarily kept secret except in order that it may be made known. If any man has to ears, have ears to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. And the word there is translated understand in other places. So it doesn't matter what you hear. Knowledge is not the key. We have to have revelation. And revelation cannot be taught. You can't teach revelation. If you teach something that somebody says, I didn't ever know that, that's not revelation, that's knowledge. But when it comes to you, flesh and blood is not revealed unto you, but my Father which is in heaven, Jesus told Peter, Father in heaven revealed it to you by Holy Ghost. Suddenly you know things and they're yours. Information and knowledge are not yours unless you integrate them. But revelation is spirit to spirit. Well, how powerful could you and I be if we said, I'll only operate by revelation? I'm only, I'm not, this, this flesh body, which God has nothing in his being to communicate with the flesh. He has no component where you can hear or operate under God through the flesh. He is spirit, and you are spirit. We talk to each other through the flesh, but uh, heaven's not. So we get this down in the spirit. Well, now that will change you forever. What you get in here. Well, how do you get in there? Well, the word talks about fasting. The only reason you fast is to close off the world because your flesh is so entombed that you just you can't get to the things of the spirit. So sometimes you fast. Sometimes you, you go off and be by yourself or you lock yourself. Whatever. You turn the TV off. Run the kids outside. And you set yourself up, not so you can hear from God, but so that you don't hear the distractions that might sound like God, that would crowd it in, crowd it in there. Uh, Hebrews 12, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, 4, 4 or 12, whichever one it is, <laughs> says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, discerning between the soul and the spirit. So the word can tell you about you and your future that knowledge and information cannot. And then what you get through knowledge and information could be bogus. Lead you down a wrong path. Y'all say amen. That's, that's who we are. So, so, the secret mysteries, the secrets of God are not hidden from us, but they're hidden for us. And it's our job to discover what's been hidden for us. Because we're not ready for everything that's hidden. We're not ready. I can tell you, if I, if I knew it was going to be 25 years in Alabama before anything showed up when I was in Texas, it would have been hard. 
it would have given me pause. But I thought it was happening on the weekend. <laughs> I thought I'll get there on Monday, and by Friday we'll, we'll be in a move of God. <laughs> so ignorance is bliss in that way, but it was hidden for me. And when it's time for it to become revealed, there you are sitting at the right place at the right time, and it opens up, and you see it. You have ears that finally understand. You have eyes that finally perceive, and it's become evident. You see what can't be unseen. You know what can't be unknown. It's indelibly imprinted on your spirit, and now that's who you are, not just something you heard or know. It's who you are. So parables are not required for us because we have the mind of Christ. God does not have to explain things. Now, I know there's dreams, and I know there's stories and stuff like that, and sometimes we get those things to explain the kingdom to them that don't have the kingdom, that need a parable. But you and I, we don't put a fleece out on the front door step and say, if it's God, it'll be wet, and if it's not God, it'll be dry or whatever. That's not who we are. We are people of revelation. And nothing's happening apart from revelation. In between revelation is just waiting to get to the next revelation. So parables are not required. We get information. We get our life comes out of our belly down here. Spirit. And then it percolates through our whole body like the new birth. That happened in your spirit. You didn't have to get, you know, clean up your cigarettes and your liquor and your whatever people do. You didn't have to clean that up, did you? To get born again, you just came to him and he said, I'll take all of it. But then that thing that happens on the inside, the new birth, it starts working to the outside. And suddenly you don't want that and you don't, you're not interested. Well, that's the way revelation is. It comes to the inside and it starts working to the outside. We start behaving different. We start desiring different. We start moving different. We want to be around different people. We don't want to be around different people. And it changes our life. But it's, it's gradual. It, it's, a, it's an osmosis. It's a percolation process. And you can't just say, well, I got a revelation, and so I'm going to go to Africa, and I'm going to teach the natives this, that, and other. No, it's going to take a little more than that if you're just starting out. So he's hidden it for us. That's why we talk about all the time that time, it takes time to work stuff out. It's in there. It's interweaved in our culture and in our personality and our experience. It's, it's in there and it's gripping. It has to be dissolved out. And the things that come in new, you, you can't just get a revelation and change your life that day. You have to work it into who you are and your desire thing and your, your, your calling. So we go, we keep on it. We get up in the morning and we, we put on a layer. We get up the next morning, we put on another layer. We're not waiting to put the whole gallon of paint, whatever, on by the weekend. Every day we layer it up. And the devil comes and he tries to interrupt that process. Tries to get us offended. Because if he can get you offended, you're done. You're done. For a while anyway, you're done. So the question we're all going to ask now is, are you pursuing, am I pursuing understanding? I have elements in my life. I'm this old and I'm that uh, gender and all these elements that I am that you are. And I'm in this place and I have this 
this calling or this occupation, if you work at Mercedes or you work at the W or wherever we all are, it's all different. It's all in different places, but it's all the same thing. We all have things that are in common, no matter what our particular uh, daily routine is. We got to grow. We got to pursue. We got to have revelation because working at a company or working or, or, or being a salesperson, that's not that's just the vehicle to take us along. That's not the end of anything. So if you're trying to climb the corporate ladder, you'll get to the top and say, wrong ladder. (laughs) There's nothing up here. And I spent my whole life getting to the top of this thing. And there's nothing there. And so you get old men and old women that just get born again or just get tapped in. And you go, man, this would have been easier when you were 20. I got the Holy Ghost when I was 27, right at 28. And I was not happy with the Lord because I was so old. I was mid-life. I was, I was over the hill at 28. And all these people already had the Holy Ghost. And I was just now. Amen. So there's something that's been set aside for you and me. The gifts and the callings. The amazing anointing that empowers you and me in our peculiarness, our uniqueness to do what He's called us to do, to be powerful and just not have troubles. You know, the Lord Jesus didn't have troubles, and yet they were all around Him. They were plotting and planning and storms in the sea and all the stuff that was there. You never, you never hear about Him saying, it was getting Him down and He had to go off. He, got, he went off and prayed and got it right, and He was able to face it. Well, that's what we're doing. And it's a small... It's a small, small group that's, that's willing to do this. That's why the kingdom is shrinking right now, it seems like, but it's actually getting stronger. There's just fewer of us. Fewer of us, maybe, but we're more and more powerful than ever. So it's in plain sight. Say it with me. It is in plain sight. It's been hidden for us. So if you're looking for it, the Lord reveals it. Well, how come I don't know what I'm supposed to do? Because we're not looking for it. We're hearing the world. We're seeing the world. We're, we're, we're crybaby cripsy. We're, I got this trouble, so I'm out of commission for a year. Or I, I, I got my mother-in-law, or I got my job that's cranking up. Well, that's just, that's in this life. But we got to see things that are not in this life that will pull us through this life. Jesus said, you're going to have tribulations in the world. Be of good cheer. I got this. And you can say, I've got this. So, now I'm, I'm going where I'm... I'm not going very fast this morning, but it's okay. What if, what if, what if nothing new would open to you and me until we were willing to walk away from the old? Everybody, everybody wants to see the new, have the new in in tow, and then they say, okay, I'm going to chop these friends off. I'm going to chop this job off. I'm going to chop this way of life off. I'm going to chop off this habit. And uh, because now I see that the new life is here. It's secured. I've wrapped my faith around it. It's not going anywhere. What if it didn't work that way? What if you couldn't even have a glimpse or hardly an experience of the new and and the blessed until by faith with nothing happening, you just chopped it off? You just said, I'm done. 
Now, I'm Mr. Liquidate. That's not what I say, but, well, maybe it is what I say. But I get rid of stuff by faith. I just say, you're not helping, therefore, you got to go. Things in my life. You're not, you're not promoting and increasing and enabling me so that I can go and promote and increase and enable others. You're, you're weighing me down. You're a weight, and I'm... That, that first year in 2017, I went up my attic and I, I looked at all that uh, fall stuff, all that, a lot of fall stuff. We had, we had what you call decor. <laughs> we had fall decor. And I towed that stuff down. It was everywhere. And I said, ah, Pamela, come help me. We're going to have a garage sale. And none of it was going to stay. So when the hour got late and the items were still full, I was selling stuff. No, I was giving it away. Would you haul this off? If you'll haul it off, I won't have to haul it off. So haul this off. And I got rid of everything. And my mother said, I, I wouldn't get rid of the Christmas tree till next year. Well, she was smart. But I'm, I'm in liquidate mode. You ought to be, in some measure, maybe not like me, but you ought to be getting rid of stuff that's just hanging on. Because you're saying when the new comes, we'll chop off. But it's not how it works. The new comes when you, by faith, make a place for it. You open up your heart. You make a capacity for stuff by cutting stuff off that's taking up things in your life. Now, this is real good if you have ears to hear. It's a bunch of mess if you don't have ears to hear. It's like, what is he doing? I'm telling you the truth. Because the Word says that when it's hidden, it will come to the light. It will be revealed. There's nothing that God has for you and me that he won't show you. He'll tell you everything about your life, but you do have to make a place for it. And that's where the faith comes in. It's like, this isn't hurting anything. Just bring it, Lord. No, there's not room for what he wants to bring with what we already have. There's not room. You cannot serve two masters. Isn't that what it says? You, you, can't, you can't handle both. You'll, you'll minimize and trivialize the new thing in the Holy Ghost. And you'll put it off and you'll say, I'll get to that. You've got to chop it off. Because when you chop stuff off, you make, by default, a place for something new. And Jesus said he wants to give you what's new. I could read that again out of uh, Mark chapter 4. But things are hidden temporarily only as a means of revelation. I'm going to read it again. For there is nothing hidden except to be revealed. Nothing hidden except to be revealed, nor is anything temporarily kept secret except in order that it may be made known. Now, that's powerful, y'all. That, that tells you the intent of heaven. That tells the mechanics and the protocols of heaven and, and us on earth how he wants us to function. And we've just functioned like the world and just say, but we go to church and we hold up our little silver cross and say, I'm a church person. I'm a, you know, and it doesn't give us any advantage because we're offended and divorced and, 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 and addicted just like the world. And it just, it just pulls us down. We got one nostril above the waves trying to breathe in, trying to, trying to stay alive. And he said, there's so much more. Praise God. So to that point, the world says, the world says, when I see it, I will upgrade from the old. Kind of like a software upgrade or something. When I see the new, the better, the supernatural, I will upgrade from the old to that. 
But the kingdom doesn't go along with that. The kingdom says you find out what's high, you find out uh, what the kingdom is, what's hiding, what's new. You just by faith say, I know it's out there. I don't know what it is, don't know what it looks like. But if I have to, if I live in Texas, I will, I'll move to Alabama. That's where that came from. Is you open your heart one day and say, I'll go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do. But be afraid. Be very afraid if you're not ready. Because he'll say, boy, let's giddy up. And in two months, we were, we were in a Utah, U-Haul with everything we owned. It's like, oh, that, that's, that's powerful. Just so doing that meant nothing except it just prepared you where God could say, I can use that boy. I, I, he, he said, yeah, when I said giddy up. I can do that with him. So it's progression. You cannot get anything done if you want to go straight from nothing to everything. You, you can't just say, I'm going to be a millionaire this year if you're not paying your bills real good. It's just, that's just not how it works. Line upon line, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept, Isaiah says. You got to you got to do something out of the boat today in order to get both feet out of the boat tomorrow. You want to walk on the water this year? You're going to have to put your feet out. You're going to have to start moving off the edge there and throw your life jacket over and we got to do something all the time to stretch us so he can say I can feel that little stretch. I can feel I can feel that capacity. I can trust that. Nobody even knows that you're, you, in your heart you're going to give $100 in the offering. Nobody calls you and says, wow, we see what you did and we are impressed and God bless you. Nope, it's not coming. It's just between you and the Holy Ghost, between you and God. We don't even know what it meant to you that you gave 100 or 1000 When's the last time you remember giving 1000 well, when they pulled on me real hard and when they said we're going under and when they said we need to do this and that, I put my thousand in. It doesn't mean hardly anything because your emotions are in that and you don't want to be the only one that didn't give. But it's just like one Sunday morning or one Wednesday night. And I'm not on money here. I'm just talking as an example of things. It's just like I want to stretch. I just have $1,100. I'm going to stretch. Just as an example, it could be I've got $50 and I'm going to stretch. And you just get out there and you just double dog dare God to walk by you when you stretch out there. Just, just walk by me, Lord. He can't do it. He's got to touch you when you get in faith, when you stretch out there. So there's two ways of learning, and I'll quit with this, I suppose. <laughs> there's two ways of learning. You know the two ways. The two ways that we all increase is by revelation or tribulation. Tribulation is carnal. Tribulation is natural. You just get to hurting so bad and not liking it and, and fed up with it and, 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 and mad at people. And finally you say, well, I'm tired of this. I'm going to do something about it. And so you ease out of your comfort zone and you start looking for God. You can do that. The only thing is, is if you live in that place long enough, pretty soon it takes, you can harden yourself to difficulty. You can harden yourself and then it takes a lot 
of suffering to move you. People that are on drugs or people that are in abusive situations, you go, I wouldn't live 13 seconds in that thing. And they go, I've been here for years. But if you live by revelation, you wake up and you go, this is a good day. I slept good all night in my own bed. I got a good breakfast coming. I'm going to work today in a paid-for car. Everything is great. I, I love God. God loves me. Everybody's happy. I think I'll stretch towards heaven today. I believe I'll push me out the door further than I'm used to and further than I ever wanted to. Everything's good. No suffering here. No sorrow in my life. But I am on my way to pursuing Holy Ghost. I believe I'll run on Sunday. I believe I'll go to my neighbor's house and say, do you know Jesus? Or whatever, whatever. It's not because you're suffering, not because you've got to please God and see if you can ease your situation. It's just like revelation. Oh, I want to go to one more scripture. Can you all go to one more scripture? It's in Exodus chapter 18. Now, I've got 14 more, but I, if I could go one more. Exodus chapter 14. Now, I want to talk about something, and I'll just pick it up next week if, if the Lord wants to. He, he may say, sit down and shut up before next week. Exodus chapter 18. I want to end with this. Now, this is the story of Moses. <clears throat> and he was having a hard time. Or he had had a hard time. And now he's back in power. He's in place. And he's been with his father-in-law on the backside of the desert for 40 years. I believe that's the right context. No, actually, he, 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 was, he was with the children of Israel. So anyway, chapter 18. Let's look in verse 13. He was ruling. He was over the people of God. And it says, And it came to pass, verse 13, on the morrow, that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning unto evening. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come from unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. It's also translated, The good thing that you do is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and the people that is with thee. And so you go on there that uh, uh, the father-in-law, Jethro, said, Why don't you take the little matters and give them to some elders and some smart boys? Let them work that all day, and you just take the weighty things, the Supreme Court things, that are going to change the nation, you work on them. Who knew? It seemed so obvious, and yet it was hidden. Now here's my point, and I'll quit with this. Don't want to, but I will. <laughs> I'm going to challenge you. I've been challenged, and I'm going to challenge you that in 2021, that you limit your life, that you liquidate your life, and here's how you'll do it. To only do what you can do. See, Moses was doing it all. But come to find out, he was the good thing that he did was not good. He was doing what others could do. Only do what you can do, and the result is what will happen? 
and you will do all that you are called to do. This is real powerful, y'all. The Holy Ghost gave this to me. I got this yesterday. Only do what only you can do, and you will do all that you are called to do. Now, you'll have to get revelation on that, but basically that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I can't do it all. Can you? Can you do all that seems to need to be done? So I've decided, I did it last year, to only do what only I could do. And so if I could hire it done, or I could uh, get somebody just to help me, that's what I did, or I just did without. I refuse to engage my resources, which are limited. I mean, you just have so much strength, so much emotional. Uh, you can't sit and talk to people three hours without getting emotionally drained, listening to their trouble and how he beat me and how I don't have any money and how my kids are this, that. You can't listen to that three hours and not have a consequence, have a cost. Because then when they get up and they finally go home after you've prayed for them, you go out and you're done. You're done. You, you go, I, I just did that. You were done. And that may be what only you can do, but then when you go in, from there to do something that anyone can do, but you're, it's on, next on your list, then you don't have any for the next day. And when she calls, when baby calls the next day and says, I need to meet again, it's like, no way, I am covered up with stuff I didn't get done yesterday. Are y'all catching what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not saying it very well, but I'm telling you, you can catch this. To do only, only do what only you can do. So that, I wrote it down, you will do all that you are called to do. Now, that's big to get it to the end of your life or towards the end or just older and go, I didn't do, I haven't done what God's called me to do. What's that all about? I need more time. I need more energy. I need, I need, I need. No, you used it up on stuff that's either not important, relationships that aren't moving, not transacting up or down. That'll waste your time. On dreams that God said, yeah, that was your youthful dream. In the Amarillo Car Show, in not, when I was a freshman, I saw that blue firebird, and I said, I'll have one of those one day. That's because I was driving a 68 Nova with the three on the tree and uh, no air conditioning. <laughs> it wasn't easy for a blue a, a firebird to get into my life. You go, well, where is it? That was youthful. That was lustful. That wasn't in my calling. So I had to eliminate that. It was easy since I didn't have any money. So I, it was easy to just check that one off and say, ah, God's not calling me to that. Truly. Now that'll be quite a little faith project to do what only you can do and then do all in order to do all that you are called to do. Now I'll tell you, there's an anointing on what you're called to do. There's an anointing. There's a, it's, we call it grace. There's a grace to do what you are called to do. That God says, I put you on the earth to do this, to have this, to demonstrate this, to teach this. to, uh, to And He knows how many days we have or what's in a day. He knows our bodies are frail. Uh, they're not supernatural yet. And he, He's just a good God. He doesn't put more on you. And what you can do. 
So why are we doing more than we can do? Well, false responsibility. We want people to think we're doing good because we don't, we do everything. We're kind of a Martha that just, and so Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and Jesus said, uh, Martha complained and said, she's not doing anything. I'm cleaning up the kitchen and, and, uh, and Jesus says, she's chosen the better thing. And that is the example there where you do what only you can do in order to do all that he called you to do happier. That's one of the most powerful things he's ever given me. I'm real proud to have heard it and tell you. It's just powerful. So the example is Jethro said, the good thing you do is not good. Well, I looked at my life and said, uh, you got to liquidate, Michael, because the good thing you do is not good. Forty years in the ministry, and I have just piddled a bunch of it away, doing things that he did not call me to do. He had somebody in the wings to do it, but I was standing in that place, and he couldn't send anybody in because I was completely occupying that space. Well, it won't get done if I don't do it. That's pretty raw. That's pretty self-centered that God doesn't have anybody to do what you're doing. And then you're not doing what only you can do. We, I didn't raise my... I, I farmed. I'm, I'm trying to quit. But I farmed, and, and little Colin, uh, I farmed, and, and he, he didn't really know me. We had a joke. He's just a little, a little too looking through the screen uh, door on our house, diapers. And I'd come up to the front door, and he'd say, Wrong house! Wrong house! I mean, it was a joke, but I, I was at the farm always because you never get finished at the farm. You just quit. And that's the way a lot of our jobs are. That's the way, you know, so I didn't do what I was supposed to do, what only I could do, which was to father my children, to parent my children, I should say. I wasn't there at the first years of Colin. And fortunately, you know, I got out of 1980. I went into the ministry. And so I did better but really not that much. We would talk about uh, our church members and our kids. We thought they were just off playing. They were, they were on the wall listening. And we'd say, wow, the, the Joneses did this and did that. Well, the, we'd fix it with the Joneses the next week, but we never told the kids that we fixed it. So they were mad at the Joneses till just wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm telling you, I, I've made many mistakes that if I had another life, I would, but I'm, I'm doing it now. And I encourage you to do it now, to get your life prioritized. In Jesus' name. And I tell you, we've got a little ways to go. I don't know how long. Cat Kerr says we've got 250 years. <laughs> that the Jewish calendar is just at 48.50 and we're going to 6.58. I don't know. She says we've got a long ways to go. Joe Morris said he could be here by the weekend.